what is one of the biggest lessons of divorce is I am not responsible for anybody's happiness. I am also not responsible for their unhappiness. In fact, I'm not responsible for anybody's feelings of any kind. Hi, I'm Tanya, and you're listening to Janda Bachanda. Welcome to episode 17, where I present to you a dear friend of mine whose accolades include editor of an international women's magazine, Nourir, which she runs as a passion project while maintaining her corporate career with Oracle. She experienced an incredible life transformation during her divorce process with the help of her yoga practice, CrossFit, poetry writing, as well as personal development coaching. She is now someone who successfully juggles being a single mom while always making time for herself. The same woman a decade ago was unable to be herself within her marriage. What changed? I hope my podcast can not only spotlight the success stories of strong women, but also show us how they did it. One of the most important things she learned in her transformation journey was an effective communication technique that helped her express herself, particularly when she felt vulnerable in her marriage and still effective today with her son. Here today to share that ever-critical life skill is my dear friend, Freya Inanna. Welcome to Janda Bachanda. And today we have our very first guest from the United States. She is a dear friend of mine, someone whom I've known since I was 17 years old. And believe it or not, she was even younger than me. I am so pleased to bring you my dear friend, Freya Inanna. Mm, thank you so much for such a warm and lovely introduction. It makes it sound so exciting. <laughs> I I love this idea of what you're building in these conversations. And I love the idea of reclaiming our womanhood at this age and this stage because we have so much um, to do right now. And um, yeah, I mean, how fun that we were like little kids pretty much meeting so many years ago and um, just your beautiful voice and your friendly smile and all these years and all these miles. So let's, let's talk some talk. I know. Well, just to imagine like if our lives were a Hollywood movie, we met in a dorm where <laughs> you couldn't have um, a more diverse range of students um, coming into that school because our alma mater, McAllister College in St. Paul, Minnesota, was so proud of its um, diverse international um, students. And one of the first people that I got to know was Freya. And she was ever the athlete then. So she was a soccer player back in college. And so we were talking and she was bouncing soccer ball on her knee the whole time talking. And oh my gosh. <laughs> in in, uh, in our very small dorm rooms. And so I was trying to introduce myself where I was from. But then, you know, I was trying to keep up with the pace because she was, she was literally bouncing a soccer ball on her knee that time. And so that's Freya in a nutshell. So to hear that today she bounces and juggles so many things is kind of... Yeah, a kind of a gimme because that's who she is, literally. And, you know, she would, on a Saturday night, cut up her jeans and turn it into a skirt and would create this new fashion look for herself. Where are you going? Why just cut up your jeans? Well, you look amazing. And she's like, oh, I've got a hot date. And that was her <laughs> Saturday night. And then the next thing, on, she's so studiously back to... Um, studying, very focused, and finishing an 11-page paper in no time. So that's that was Freya. And fast forward 
um, oh my gosh, is it now 30 years later? Yeah, it is almost. years later. She's basically doing the same things with her life. And also fast forward 30 years, we've been through maybe a marriage or two. <laughs> In my case, two, mm-hmm. one for you. <laughs> yeah, and we've gone through sort of um, a meat grinder of life in, in, in a way. Um, but maybe it's not all meat grinder, but there's definitely moments where it felt like a, we went through a meat grinder. For sure. <laughs> That's putting it gently. Yeah, um, exactly. Where where would you like to shine a light on, on your relationship journey? So I would say on that relationship journey, um, you know, speaking specifically of my ex-husband, what I could say is I really don't believe that anything happens to us. I really truly believe that everything happens for us. And so it is in the ability to maybe turn the object into a different angle and view it from another perspective to try to see what it is. And that's not to positivize. I don't know if that's even a word in English, but it is in French. Um, It's not to positivize a situation so much, not to slap a happy face sticker onto an empty gas gauge. It, it really is to show us that we're capable of seeing the growth and the light in every situation that, that comes to fore. So um, I'm happy to chat anything about that that you want to get into. Right. Well, it's, it is a, I, I'd like to, that I like the fact that um, in French you can use the word positive and make it an active verb. Mm, um, yeah, right. Because that is definitely a key to surviving, is a key to thriving, and a key to growing um, in our in our journey um, of becoming ourselves more into ourselves as we gr- grow older. But doesn't it feel like we're just getting started? Absolutely. In many ways, it certainly does. And, right. you know, if you look at each of these sort of big chapters, I mean, everything in my life today is different than it was two years ago. Mm. Um, I have a new job that I'm coming up on a two-year anniversary. I live in a new apartment that I wasn't living in before. Two years ago, I was divorced. I was married. Today, I'm divorced. I mean, there's not a single aspect of my life other than maybe the consistency of my son or my yoga or my friends. But if you look at like the, the nu- nucleus of, of my life, you know, the way that I rotate around my own inner world without the external trappings, pretty much everything has changed, right? And there is an a innate adaptability in that where if we can realize that that change is actually opening our world to us and expanding it and making it even bigger, um, this is such a beautiful journey right here, right now, this opportunity. I'm sitting in my new condo in a chair I never sit in so that I could have an outlet to keep my phone plugged in. And even just in my apartment, I have a different view than the one that I have when I'm mothering. And when I'm mothering, I'm standing in my kitchen, um, usually just standing as I'm cooking and serving and I don't usually sit down for the meal because by the time I'm completed with the, with the cooking and the serving, the meal is already over. So mm-hmm. even in that, there's a new beginning. So what a wonderful gift that if I can remember 
Um, you know, I think one of the questions that, that, you know, we wanted to try to get to is like, what is one of the biggest lessons of divorce is, you know, truly it's not so much the, it's not so much the divorce that taught it to me. I think me learning it led to the divorce in a good way. Um, is that I am not responsible for anybody's happiness. I am also not responsible for their unhappiness. In fact, I'm not responsible for anybody's feelings of any kind. And in the direct opposition of that, nobody is responsible for my happiness or my sadness except for me. And this is a wildly liberating thought. It's the essence of freedom And it allows us to truly see and witness people and then decide whether or not those people are for us. Um, And so when I discovered this, it caused a radical schism in my home because my ex-husband believed and still believes very deeply that I am 100% responsible for my son's happiness or maybe 50-50 with him. And therefore, I'm responsible for when he's unhappy or sad. And that I was also responsible for his happiness. Um, And so you can see how if I no longer adhered to that um, sort of way of viewing the world in the home, that it could no longer function. There was nowhere for it to go. Someone listening out there might either just hear what you just said and find that absolutely liberating or they may just smash their smartphone just now on the floor yeah right right (laughs) like i mean what the hell is she saying right what the hell is she saying that you know that the spouse is not responsible for the happiness of the other or their child um but that takes a lot to to process and digest that you can only do the best that you can with the resources that you have at the moment that you that you're experiencing it and with the best intent for doing each moment mm-hmm. and the rest is not up to you really no um, no you know and i and, and and i might be you know and i would say that you know the biggest mistake i think that i made in my marriage was around that belief was that thinking somehow that if i did certain things that my husband would be happy. And that created a pattern of, well, I didn't want that. I wanted this. Well, I thought you said you wanted this, but I did that. And it creates this kind of, you know, like, well, you just must not know me or you don't love me. And it's like, well, no. The reality is, is that no matter what I do or don't do, you Mm. are going to have to choose happiness or not. Right. That's right. So, so that really, that's really like the center of it. And I'm really trying very hard to teach my son this. And perhaps what might be interesting for your listeners to know, um, you and I have very similar um, backgrounds in the way that we were raised, that I was raised in a very traditional Persian family where your behavior had a direct outcome on everybody's happiness or their sadness. Um mm-hmm. Every little thing that I did had a correlating emotion of what it was, how it was valued within the family structure, everything down to how you walk and how you dress. And again, I'm not criticizing that in and of itself, other than that that is a very conditional way of loving. Um, And it sets you up for 
um, not having relationships where you truly are able to witness other people and you're truly able to feel comfortable being yourself and showing who you are. Um, so, so to come to that sort of realization from the familial background and also marrying someone with a very similar background, uh, mm. my ex-husband is, is Tunisian and, you know, Mediterranean. And so he very much has, has that still, um, and holds to it very dearly, very dearly holds to that belief set. So that's a lot there already. Two things that are so packed in, in that, the, how, first of all, our family backgrounds would form the way we also view our roles in the relationship. That's something that each one of us need to look at and see how were we raised and what were we meant to believe about our own personal roles as daughters, as wives, as spouses in a relationship and and really be careful and examine how that truly impacts our marriage. Um, because I truly believe that I had to be the most dedicated, the most loyal, the most obedient person to my mm. spouse and discovered the hard way that that was manipulated very yeah. deeply. Yeah. And it was okay if the, what, how you said earlier, just by sitting in a different seat in your apartment, you had a different outlook. And I was in my marriage able to see a different outlook that finally towards the end of that, hey, I was being manipulated and this is not okay. And that's okay to end that marriage because I could see it for what it was towards the end. Um, and I think that's the most sobering thing. And then you also wake up to the fact of who you are and who you are not. It's okay if you're not perfect. Most people aren't. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, um, and I think the self-development learning, if anything, that's the one thing I would teach to now I do teach to my daughter at an earlier age. So not just by having a set of traditional expectation out of her as a human being or how she should be as a daughter and how she ought to be later on in life if she should choose to be married to someone and probably just teaching her the tools early so that she can identify what is healthy, what is something that's going to be able to make her happy um, and content, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, you know, you said a couple of things that are, that are really interesting to me. Um, first of all, in that exploration of perfection, right, is what, what does that mean? And I mm. think uh, I will offer an idea, um, and that is that perfection is typically viewed as something that someone else outside of you is determining, meaning I am a perfect wife, which means in relation to my husband or my spouse or my partner, whomever, I'm accomplishing and fulfilling certain things that are expectations. Where what I believe perfection actually is, is that we are each absolutely perfect just as we are. And when we, when we release ourselves from projecting what we believe someone else is supposed to be in relation to us, i.e. Yeah. when we stop expecting them to make us happy or sad, 
then we can see them as the perfection that they are and we can stop wanting to change them because we stop <laughs> wanting to change ourselves. That's right. There's that too. Stop stop trying right. to change each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean for real in any relationship. It doesn't matter if it's your child, if it's a good friend, if it's your lover, stop trying to change people. They are who they are and sit mm -hmm. quietly enough to witness them and ask them questions because you'll be shocked what you find out when you actually ask instead of making assumptions. Okay. And one of the things that I took away from the divorce was this renewed curiosity around that. And of course, the person I use it the most with is my son. And mm. I have discovered so many things about him by simply stopping and asking him questions about how he feels about something, about what he would choose and why he would choose it and what he would like me to do differently. Mm. And it's a treasure trove of, of um, things I would never have known about him had I just simply believed, for example, that he was throwing his coat on the floor because, you know, he was lazy, you know, and okay. something, something as simple as that could be like, well, you know, what happened? It'd be like, oh, I have to pee so bad. You know, I just needed to pee. I'll come back and do it to something <laughs> really big. Right. right. Um, and so I would offer that to the listeners of maybe evaluate what what that perfection means so that it's no longer a taboo word. On the parting note, what's next for you? <laughs> Continuing to have a beginner's mind and really mm. allowing myself to witness people as they are, not as I would reflect upon them. And that's just a beautiful journey. Thank wow. you. Oh my goodness, that's that's so beautiful. Wonderful, Freya, I love you. I'd love to have you again. And then we'll, we're gonna have we're gonna have another one of these phone calls for sure. Yes, we will for sure. And we'll figure out when I come to Jakarta or Bali or somewhere else in the world. And yes. um, I'm so proud of you. This is really phenomenal. And keep it up. Sharing these stories is really important. And I'm proud of you for, for doing it. Thank you. Thank you for your support. Okay. Bye, okay. Bye, darling. Thank you for listening to my interview with Freya. For more episodes, you can check out our archives on jandabachanda.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye for now.